0: Hey, I want to tell you uh, that uh, I had a fantastic experience uh, a couple of years back, Um, and uh, it made me feel like a uh, VIP. I don't know if you've ever felt like a VIP, Um, but uh, we were able to go on vacation, and uh, coincidentally, I didn't really plan this, but uh, my sister and uh, brother-in-law were on that same vacation with us, and uh, uh, we were able to go down to the Mexican Riviera and uh spent a little bit of time down there in a in a resort and it was fantastic and it was kind of a fancy pants place that we were able to go to and this is how uh, fancy pants it was we we could go down and lay on the beach under these uh, umbrellas these uh, these thatch umbrellas were down there and we could lay there and uh, it would be kind of warm and the sun would be beating down on us and then there would be these people come around in the white coats and they would say, uh, would you like anything to drink, sir? You know, and all day long, they'd keep you hydrated. You, you never had to get off of that thing, ever, you know. And uh, they'd keep you hydrated all day long. And then later on in the day, they would come up to you. And, uh, and, and this is what they did. Uh, they took these white hand towels... And they dipped them in water. And then they rolled them up. And they put them in the freezer. And then they pulled them out of the freezer. And stacked them up as these little frozen logs that were on the silver platter. And while you were laying there on the beach, soaking up the sun. Maybe, in the shade, under that thats little hut there was there, that little umbrella, and they would come up to you and say, "Would you like a frozen towel, sir?" and you'd take that frozen towel off of the silver platter and then you'd unfold that thing and it would be icy cold, and you'd kind of pat yourself down there in the sun, and then you could just kind of put it back on the tray and they would thank you, sir, and they would move away and later on, while you were laying out there in the sun, they knew you had sunscreen all over you, and you'd be handling your sunglasses, and they would walk up to you and and they would say, may, "May we clean your glasses for you, sir?" And you'd hand them their glasses, and they'd clean them all up and make sure there were no fingerprints on them. And then, and then they would put them back on your head for you. Yeah, that's right. I tell you what, it was really good. It, was, it didn't even have to touch them in order to get them. Yeah, right there, perfect. Thank you. You know, and he, and the best part. This is this is the funnest part of the deal. Is um, uh, it was time for us to leave, so the bags were down there in the lobby, and uh, we had arranged transportation through the resort, and they pull up in this brand new Cadillac Escalade, right? And uh, uh, they pull up there and, and they open the door for you, Mr. Allison, Mrs. Allison, please step into it. The, and they push to the airport and we get to the airport there and while we are at uh, the airport as we're pulling up, we see this long line that's going down the sidewalk and making its way into the airport all the way up to the, uh, to the counter, the desk where we're supposed to check in. All right, and so we get out of the uh, the escalade, and uh, and all of a sudden the guy takes our bags and he just starts disappearing down, uh, down the sidewalk and then, and then he looks back and says, "Mr. Allison and so, uh, so we follow him follow the guy and he's got our bags and he goes he 's walking past the line, all of a sudden he turns into the airport, he goes right up to the counter. We just pass you know a hundred people in line, he passed all of them, he steps right up to the counter, and he says, "Mr. Allison, please check in and we step up to the counter and say Hi, I'm Mr. Allison. Oh, we've been waiting for you, sir. And they took, our, they took our plane information, got to bypass everybody. I tell you what, we felt like very important people. We felt like very important people. And uh, uh, here's what we know. All of us, at some point in time in our life, want to feel like we are very important people. We desire to feel that way. We all have a need to feel important. We all want to be, listen, we all want to be shown and told that we are valued and loved. We can relate to wanting to feel VIP because we all have this desire to know that we truly matter to others. It's inside of us. We want to feel that way. Listen, God communicated to all of us, communicated to you, communicated to me. It's recorded in the book of Jeremiah. Book of Jeremiah, chapter 1, verse 5. Here's what God told Jeremiah and subsequently to all of us. He says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. God says, before you ever existed, before you were outside of the womb, before you took your first breath, I knew you. I cared about you. I loved you. Before you arrived, I loved you. I know you. I know who you are, and I love you. Now think about that. You know what that means? That means this. Listen. To God, you are a VIP. And, think about this. You know what else that means? Some people perform at very high levels. Uh, Maybe in your job or your workplace or maybe uh, in your past workplace, whatever the case might be, maybe you were known for being a performer and and you could outperform and and everybody would kind of turn to you and they would look to you and everybody knew this person performs at very high levels and maybe you were a performer. Maybe, maybe your reputation is outstanding. Maybe you were the one when you would walk in into uh, the office or the workplace or wherever that might be. Or maybe you, you could walk into City Hall or the bank or wherever it was. And people would look to you and they knew who you are because your uh, reputation was outstanding. Maybe you're the one that's blessed and you can help other people and you can see needs in other people. And, and you're the one that can, people look to you and say, oh, man, they're the one that can help you. And maybe maybe that's who you are, but here's what you need to know. All of that. All of that, whether you're a high performer, uh, whether you can help other people, whether you have a great reputation and all, none of that stuff, none of that stuff makes you matter more to God. God loves you. Before you were created, God loves you. To God, you are a very important person. You are a very important person to God. Question. Who is a very important person to God? Who is a very important? Here's the answer. Everyone. Write that down. Everyone is a very important person to God. The disciples were kind of wrestling around with that conversationally. Uh, they were uh, in this conversation where they were saying, you know, who's, who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? We read about it in the book of Matthew, if you have your Bible. Book of Matthew, chapter 18. We're going to look at a couple of verses in there. Matthew, chapter 18, start with verse 1. Uh, here's the way that kind of breaks down. They, it starts off with this. It says, about that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, who is greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Who is going to be the greatest people? Who's going to be the very important people? Who's going to be top dog in the kingdom of heaven, Jesus? When when the kingdom of heaven comes around, who is going to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? But in order for us to understand who's going to be greatest in the kingdom of heaven, first we need to understand, well, what is the kingdom of heaven? What is the kingdom of heaven? Well... The kingdom of heaven is this, and you can, you can write this down too. The kingdom of heaven is Jesus' values lived out here on earth. Jesus' values lived out here on earth. That's what the kingdom of heaven is. And so what does that mean? Well, here on earth, there are a lot of different... Kingdoms, right? Uh, there are uh, communist countries or socialist com- countries. Uh, there's uh, democratic republic countries, and there are uh, uh, there's all these different. Now, uh, for every one of those countries, and here in America as well, there's a lot of different uh, viewpoints. If there are if if there are people with Bella buttons, uh, there are people with viewpoints, right, and opinions. And there are, are Republicans, and there are Democrats, and there's all of these different ideas as to uh, the way things should be and the way they shouldn't be, and this is the right way, and that is the wrong way. Well, what is what is the kingdom of heaven? What is the kingdom of heaven? That is Jesus's values played out. Okay, think about this. John Deere tractors, right? Uh, so you just in your mind's eye picture a John Deere tractor, and most of you can do that, and you can already see that bright red tractor in your mind, right? And and some of you are some of you are envisioning that bright yellow tractor in, in your mind. Some of you are envisioning that bright orange tractor in your mind no uh, when you think about a John Deere tractor uh, what is a john what color is a john deere tractor Are you, Green, right, with the yellow wheels, right, okay? And so, now here's what we know. Uh, We know that there's no international harvester part on the John Deere, right? There's no uh, case part on the John Deere. There's no uh, Hollander part on there. Uh, We know a John Deere tractor is all, it's 100% John Deere parts, right? And so, what is the kingdom of John Deere? It is all and only John. What is the kingdom of heaven on earth? It is all and only Jesus' values being lived out here on earth. What is the kingdom of heaven, and what is Jesus' values? Jesus' value being lived out here on earth, Jesus' values is always this. Others first. Others first. Others first. Uh, Jesus himself has said that he did not come uh, uh, to, uh, to be served, but he came to serve. The kingdom of heaven is when his people collectively serve other people together. And this argument kind of breaks out. Who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus sets them straight. He wants them to know my kingdom is about serving other people. It's not about who's going to be the greatest. It's about serving other people. And the church, this place is to be a place that when people walk in, they experience love. This should be a refuge from the world. When people come here, they should experience Jesus' kingdom, his values being lived out on earth. That it should be a breath of fresh air when they come here, not to feel judged or condemned, but to feel loved and embraced because we are very important people to God. And we are to let other people know that they are very important people to God. Well, then Jesus goes on, and he kind of begins to explain, well, how does this thing kind of play out, and what's this thing at work when they're asking the question, is who's going to be great in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus is going to now tell them exactly what the kingdom of heaven is like. And so Jesus answers their question, who's going to be the greatest? In Matthew chapter 18, he goes on, verses 2 through 4. Jesus called a little child to him and put the child among them, right there at the center stage, a little child. And he said... I tell you the truth, unless you turn from your sins. Now that that's just a whole another subject that we'll tackle another time. But what? Unless you unless you turn from your sins, don't forget that that is in the equation. Unless you unless you turn from your sins and become like little children, you will never get into the kingdom of heaven. So anyone who becomes as humble as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And so you want to know uh, what, uh, who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Well, it's the person that becomes like the little child. And so when we, in our mind's eye, think about uh, what is a child like, sometimes we think, well, children are selfish. Children are selfish. But the reality is that children are not selfish. Children are dependent. They're 100% dependent. They're 100% dependent. I was so excited. My grandson came to visit me this weekend, and I was so disappointed when he showed up and he didn't mow the yard for me. Isn't that what grandchildren are supposed to do? Come and mow the yard for you? And here's, here's a Cooper, right? Tiny little, little Cooper, couldn't mow the yard. No. What can Cooper give me? The truth is nothing nothing but what do I want to give to him my love right and so uh, Cooper's going to grow up and 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 kids grow up and the reality is even five-year-olds five-year-olds and then when you ask the five-year-old you know when are you going to start making a living and start earning your keep around here and paying the bills right no a five-year-old no a 10-year-old no Even a 15-year-old, what does the 15-year-old eat? Well, first of all, they eat everything, right? Everything, right? But who is constantly providing and giving that and serving that up? They are dependent. Children are dependent. And so when Jesus brings a little child forward and says, Be like the child, Jesus is communicating, Really, you can offer me nothing. You can depend on me. And so they were saying, who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus is saying, just be dependent on me. My kingdom is about serving others. Depend on me. Lean into me. You don't need to earn my love. You have my love is what Jesus was communicating to them. You are a VIP. Then Jesus goes on to explain this. Matthew chapter eighteen, a little bit further down, verses twelve through thirteen, he says, "If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, what will he do? Won't he leave the ninety-nine others on the hills and go out in search of the one that is lost? And if he finds it, I tell you the truth, he will rejoice over the over it more than the other more." Than, he will rejoice over it more than over the 99 that didn't wander away. Jesus values that one that was lost. Jesus values the one that was lost. When all of the others wander away, he values the one that is lost. Now, I, I don't have any sheep. I don't have any sheep. But I do have an Aussie. I do have an Aussie. Here's a picture of Aussie. I have an Aussie. Okay, and uh, Ozzy is old. And Ozzy is blind, and Ozzy is now deaf. And so every day at lunchtime, I have to go home, and I let Ozzy outside. It used to be i just kind of open the door and scooch him out, and you know, and he'd kind of wander around out there take care of his business. And you know, he'd kind of sit down on the, on the sidewalk if it's warm and soak that up. And he wouldn't go anywhere and wander off. He'd just kind of do that. And when he was ready to come back in, he'd kind of come up and kind of scratch at the door, and then I'd, I'd let him back in. But now Ozzy is so old and so blind, and he's deaf, and, and now he tends to wander a little bit more, and there's these times uh, that uh, my wife doesn't know about, that uh, sometimes I come home and I eat lunch, and uh, and I, I start eating my lunch after I've let the dog out, and then I have this, <laughs> where's Ozzy? <laughs> and uh, and so then I kind of have to go back over, and I open the door, and I open, and I kind of look out there, and, uh, uh, Ozzy's not there. <laughs> Ozzy's not there, and, uh, and so I got to go out, you know, onto the onto the, the patio or on the porch there, and kind of step off of the porch, and I kind of look to the left and the right, and and uh, Ozzy, <laughs> ah, where are Where you at, Ozzy? And and uh, then I kind of have to wander uh, to to the side of the house and kind of look on this. I know Ozzy's not there, and then I go over to the other side of the house, and oh, there's Ozzy. they good, you know, good. There's Ozzy. If anything ever happens to Ozzy, I'm going to be in a lot of trouble. But here's here's what. It, I have this sense of relief at first I have this shock and this kind of like where's Ozzy you know Ozzy's lost he's gone I gotta go get Ozzy and then when I finally see Ozzy I have this oh good found Ozzy that's Jesus where are you you're missing you're not here where are you and then when you are found, oh, I'm so glad that you are here. You are a very important person to God. This is how Christ feels about you. You are very important. He's calling for you. He's looking for you. He cares about you. He loves you. You are important to Jesus. Romans chapter 5, verse 6 through 8 say, You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, blind, deaf, lost, wandering, confused, powerless. When we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. That's me. That's you. The ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man. Though for a good man, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrated his own love for us in this while we were still sinners. Christ died for us while we were still sinners, while we were still unclean, while we were still wandering around. Jesus tells a parable of the lost son. He says, and the son wanders off and he's there dining with the pigs while we were still dining with the pigs. Christ died for us. Still sinners. Still sinners. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that He sent His only Son. Whoever believes in Him doesn't have to worry about death now. We're made right in Him. We are a VIP in Him when we have claimed Jesus as our King and our God and our Lord. And He says, here's what I want you to know. You are very, 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 very important to me. I value you. You are important to me. We need to see ourselves that way. But sometimes we listen to the way the world defines us. Sometimes we let other people get in our head and other messages, our past get into our head. And too often we are too quick to label ourselves maybe a different way. And we're not sure feel worthless we're not sure we're not sure what I contribute uh, maybe as a parent do I contribute as a father do I contribute as a mother do I contribute in the workplace does anyone have any respect for me whatsoever do I really contribute to this planet or am I worthless and we wonder that and we think about that And we kick that around in our brain. And sometimes we're not even sure if we're important enough to be worthless because sometimes what we think is we've just been forgotten. Nobody knows. People moved away. They don't even reach back to try to find out what's going on in my world. And I wonder if they even care who or what or if. Siblings can have rivalries, and sometimes you're the sibling that is on the outs, and they all seem to do their thing, and they don't include you, and you can feel forgotten in your world. Sometimes we've done things in our past, we carry them around, and we know that it's true that we've done these things, and we don't like it. We feel dirty, not forgiven unclean not sure how anyone could respect us or be close to us especially God because if God knew the things that I had done or if anyone else knew they wouldn't even want to and we wear that label we put it on in our culture today appearance is everything and vanity is everywhere and some of us don't measure up the way that we think that we should and we feel ugly. We feel ugly on the inside. We feel ugly on the outside. And we know that the cosmetic industry is a multi-billion dollar industry. And, and so we're, there's this pressure. You can't, you can't look too old, but you don't want to look too young. you got to look just right. And people size us up. And we age out. And we're now irrelevant. And feel ugly. Maybe that leads to feeling like a failure. Maybe you had some big things you wanted to accomplish in your life. There are people around you that want to point at you and they want you to know that you never did amount to all that that you thought maybe you were going to be or thought you might be or projected that you could be and So you feel like you didn't live up to it. When it's all said and done, you feel broken. You just feel broken. And you wonder, can people forgive me for the things that I have done to them? Or will I always live this way? The world seems to be okay with me feeling this way in fact they don't even seem to extend any kind of appreciation or reach out or want to care and I can just feel this way and live by myself and be isolated oh I can put on a big smile but ultimately inside I know this is who I am but what you need to know is that God loves you God loves you you. God loves you. God loves you. God loves young you. God loves adolescent you. God loves old you. God loves you without makeup and without muscles. God loves you. God loves best you. He loves worst you. He loves confused you. He loves content you. He loves timid you. He loves silly you. He loves self-conscious you and arrogant you and unemployed you and entitled you and fearful you. And God loves lonely you and guilt-ridden you and abandoned you and adorable you and unlovable you and single you and divorced you and separated you and widowed you God loves angry you and sad you and bitter you. He loves cynical you. He loves cowardly you. God loves you just as you are. God loves you. He loves you. God loves you. God loves you. you. Sometimes we... Don't want to believe that. We say to ourselves, if only you knew some of the things that were in my past, uh, you would know that God can't love me. But one of my favorite sayings is, is that the problem with most of us is that we are like the rest of us and God loves you. Write this down. What you have done is not who you are. Write this down. What's been done to you does not determine your value. Write this down. What you struggle with does not define you. Ephesians chapter 2 verses 4 through 6. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. Even in the midst and the middle of our sin, when we were at our lowest, as far away as we can get from God, that is when He stepped in. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms. We can take all these other labels, we can hang them on the cross. And we can know that God loves us and that he redefines us and that he gives us a label and he gives us a name and that we are very important to him. And he sent his cross, he sent his son to die on a cross to forgive us of our sins so that we are known as his children and that he cares for us and is interested in us. And he says to us, cast all of your burdens on me and I can give you rest. He says, I stand at the door and I knock. If you'll open the door, I will come in. And he wants to be in our life. He loves us. He wants us to get rid of the sin that we put in front of him, that we can be connected to him. If you're a Christian, if you've been baptized into Christ, if Jesus is your Savior, live as a VIP. If you don't know Jesus as your Savior, if you've never been baptized into him, if you've never declared him as your King your God, your Lord. I want to encourage you to reach out and say, Steve, let's talk about what it is to be a Christian. I want to be baptized into Christ, and we can make that happen. We're going to sing a song right now, and I just want you to sing this song. I want you to sing it out. I want you to know who you are in Jesus Christ.